Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And what a truly shocking and sad front page story on the Irish Examiner today. A story that you never would expect to read uh, here in Ireland, but it's intensive care staff from West Cork saying we may soon have to ration care among those who have the best chances of survival. And I think no person ever went into medicine or ever ever went into intensive care to work in intensive care would ever want to be faced with that trying to decide who do we put on a ventilator and who do we not put on a ventilator knowing that the person you don't put on the ventilator is more than likely going to uh, die. We know now that Ireland we are registering the highest proportion of COVID-19 cases of anywhere in the world and the health system has been put under increasing pressure. So it's Brian Carey. Brian Carey is the consultant physician at Bantry General Hospital. He has issued a warning to all of the local GPs and indeed other medical staff in the Bantry area saying the situation is changing rapidly and that they may have to make difficult decisions to treat patients in ICU based on who is the most likely to survive. And it seems that Dr Carey, he has written to GPs and other medical staff uh, warning of the extreme pressures that they have at their own hospital in Bantry. And then he goes on to strongly advise GPs in the area uh, about to avoid trying to admit anyone to hospital unless it's absolutely necessary and of course as we know all of the South South West Hospital Group which will include uh, Cork University Hospital they've cancelled all of their elective work and Cork University Hospital tops the pile of all of the hospitals all around the country for the most patients with uh, COVID-19. So vaccines um, very much on I think a lot of people's minds with everybody saying what are we doing about vaccines? Why can't we start vaccinating uh, people? But it now seems that as many as one in 76 people in the country caught COVID-19 in the last two weeks as a nation. Many partied, we many people shopped in December and it's looking like we did it like it was pre-pandemic, like we did it in 2019. And of course, that was at a time when the highly infectious UK form of the virus was starting to take hold in this country. Figures indicate that the upward spike in infection, this is the kind of, if we can take any glimmer of good news, that started to stabilise 
But the frightening and the worrying thing is that hospitals are already creaking under the pressure and that pressure is going to continue over the next two weeks and we're going to see a surge in COVID-19 patients. Hospitals are saying the figures could rise to between 200 or or to to, to 200. God, what am I saying? It's 2,000. It could be between 2,000 and 2,500 admissions with two to 400 of those seriously ill and those will be the ones in need of intensive care. And it is the people who became ill on Christmas Day and Stevens's Day and sort of that week between Christmas and New Year, they became unwell. They are the ones now that across this week that if they get very unwell at the, because of the progression of the disease, the progression of the virus since Christmas Day, it's this week that they, if they become very unwell, that they're going to need hospital care. And that's what hospitals are most panic, panicking about. The fast spreading, more infectious form of the virus is now making up 45% of all infections in this uh, country. But the staggering rise in the disease since Christmas was also fueled by people who partied, by people who shopped, by people who went out socialising and went visiting in different houses. Tony Houlihan revealing last night that the new data showing socialising and shopping at were at pre-pandemic levels from early December with many he said many of us behaving almost like nothing at all had happened, as if we weren't living in the middle of a pandemic. And it was just December, it was Christmas time, and we went out and we shopped and we partied and everyone just, we seemed to have forgotten uh, COVID-19. Or it was as if we thought COVID-19, should they, COVID-19 will know it's Christmas and it'll take a little bit of a break and unfortunately it didn't. The strict lockdown measures are now beginning to work. This is the glimmer of hope and uh, with cases over the last five days they've start, they have started to stabilise but God knows they're stabilising at around 6,000 a day. There was a time when we were reporting figures of 500 and we were in shock and now we're looking at what we're seeing as a glimmer of hope Figure stabilising at 6,000 new cases a day. Dr Houlihan says the situation in hospitals and intensive care units around the country, that continues to worsen and is worsening day on day. He said we know that hospitalisations occur some weeks after a confirmed case. He said the situation in hospitals will get worse before it gets uh, better. There was eight deaths reported yesterday and 4,922 new cases of the virus. And yesterday, it seems it was the first day of cases where they weren't they were included in it was not a backlog. We know at one stage there was about 9,000 cases in a backlog that had to be added on. So many of them were added on every day. Yesterday, it seems there was no backlog. They were all cases from the last 24, 48 hours of nearly 5,000 cases uh, for uh, yesterday. For every 1,000 people diagnosed with the virus, around 50 of them will be hospitalised. And before I came on air, I was checking the latest figures are out. They come out about nine, half nine in the morning for those hospital, those in hospital at the moment. Whereas 1,700 now in, in hospital, that's up 125 in the previous 24 hours, of which 143 are in ICU. The ICU numbers are down by uh, three. That's of 9am this morning. The hope is that cases that the virus which they reckon peaked around this day last week 
even though the numbers then you'll say were high high for the rest of the week but that was to do with adding in the backlog of the cases from the previous week so they reckon this day last week it peaked it'll begin to fall over the next week but officials warned last night that we're dropping from dangerous heights I mean even thinking of dropping down from 6,000 it's going to take a long way to get that those down under 1,000 and then will we ever be looking at how long will it take us to be reporting the single figures like we were reporting back in July when you tuned in at 6 o'clock and there was six new cases nine new cases it'll take a long time to come from 6,000 down to single figures Professor Philip Nolan he's the guy responsible for tracking the virus he said that one in 54 people aged between 20 and 44 tested positive for COVID-19 in the last two weeks looking at the older age group then it was one in 100 who tested positive over the age of 65 he warned that the new more contagious form of COVID-19 which is now set to become the dominant virus strain the UK one here in this country means it will be tougher to beat and while we do lockdowns very well it's going to take much longer to get the figures down because you've got to add in the UK strain as well. We're going to have to get, he said, better at staying apart until a significant proportion of the population has been vaccinated. Last night, figures uh, officials weren't able to say how long control measures, particularly like social distancing and wearing of masks, actually we've had a number of people ringing as well saying when are we going to be able to get back to normal and hugging people and social distancing will be out the door and no more wearing a mask nobody can tell us no one can tell us uh, when those particular requirements and restrictions will be will be lifted Dr Tony endorsed the call from the Taoiseach to wear face masks outside now this also includes if you're going out for a walk or even if you're going for a run in the park if when you're going out to do your exercise within five kilometres of your home it is suggested now that you also wear a mask up to this it would be you only wore a mask when you're inside when you're going outside please wear a mask at all times hospitals will continue to convert more beds into temporary intensive care beds and around 1,300 nurses from other departments now are going to be redeployed uh, to work in the intensive care uh, units and the Irish Hospital Consultants Association say hospitals now face a national emergency. So the big question on everybody's lips is vaccination. When are we all going to be vaccinated? Keith has contacted us this morning and saying, like, what's, why are we not doing more vaccinations? And he cites the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom, Thursday of last week, vaccinated 1.5 million people in one day, whereas the HSE here are saying that they plan to do 40k a week. He was saying, how can the UK do it so well and how can we not? It could be because they're using the AstraZeneca. But anyway, I, I, I see the point you're making, Keith. We need to speed up our vaccinations. And I read in the papers today that people who have had COVID-19 may be asked to postpone getting the vaccination for at least six months. Official guidance states vaccines should be offered to people regardless of whether people were previously infected uh, or not. But there is now a suggestion coming out that if you've had COVID, you may might be fairly well protected for at least six months. And in that case, 
they, they, they may find that the advice will change and they'll say, if you've had COVID, then please wait six months before coming forward to be vaccinated. And this is coming from the National Immunisation Advisory. Now, they're saying they haven't, they're not there yet, but they're keeping a close eye on it because they're making the point, if they don't need to vaccinate this group of people as more people have got COVID, then it would be great if they were able to postpone that group of people and then use the vaccines that they would give to that group of people and give it to people who haven't had COVID and who really need it. And on COVID, just trying to get, on vaccines, trying to get a bit of good news on uh, vaccines. The first batches of the Moderna COVID-19 medicine uh, or vaccines are expected in Ireland this week. Moderna announced that deliveries to Europe will begin today. Now we have already pre-ordered 880,000 doses of the Moderna vaccine. Health officials say though that only about 4,000 were expected to initially arrive and the, the vaccine is similar to the Pfizer one. The Moderna one needs to be given in two doses as well but it is slightly easier to transport and store than the Pfizer one. It doesn't for example have to be at minus at 70 degrees. And then the Oxford AstraZeneca saw this news break this morning. They have now applied to the European Medicine Board for approval and it's the Oxford AstraZeneca AstraZeneca one that will be the real game changer. That's the one that already has approval in the UK and could be the reason why, Keith, you're talking about the UK vaccination 1.5 million people uh, last Thursday alone. That AstraZeneca one is the one that doctors and pharmacies would be able to give. There's nothing on storage. It can be stored in in a normal fridge and it also, it's just a one dose vaccine so it's much more easier to administer. There's the same amount of paperwork involved with it because they're not you know, trying to track down people to get the second one as they have to do with the Pfizer and with the Moderna one. So that could be the big game changer if and when it gets the approval of the UK, the European Medicines Board. We have to wait for their approval before we will be able to start rolling it out here in this country. And Johnson & Johnson also, they're expected to report data on their there and theirs is a one dose one as well and that's expected around the end of the month so there are more vaccines coming on stream at the moment we're only only been working on the Pfizer one the Moderna one now will become available but people I think are just getting frustrated at the slowness of the programme in this country 1850 all the more reason that we need to stay at home and actually I saw on uh, Riverstown Family Practice they have shared a COVID-19 update to everybody who attends their GP practice and the message is simple this morning it's please, please, please stay at home cases are rising they say at an alarming rate in the Glanmire and surrounding areas and they say your little sniffle will be somebody else's ICU admission and then they share a piece from the Irish Times it's a video from inside an ICU saying we're nowhere near the COVID-19 peak and asking people to please, please, please stay at home. Some of your thoughts coming into us uh, this morning. Uh, Hi Patricia, I hope you're keeping well and safe. I am, thank you very much. I'm an elderly gentleman living in West Cork and I'm frightened for my life of contracting COVID-19. My neighbour was getting a load of blocks and concrete from a local 
company. I certainly don't think that this is right. And you can believe me, these are not, this is not an essential job for him as it's a privately owned property. God forbid if the driver had COVID or if the driver received it, it would spread like wildfire. I believe we should put a stop to these kind of companies making deliveries for at least a month and only allow them to do deliveries for extreme needs such as works going on in hospitals. It's very unfair for people who are sticking to the rules and also unfair on the drivers themselves who are putting themselves in danger for a person who only wants a small bit of concrete to make a footpath around their home. Thanking you, uh, Patricia. Yeah, um, all I can say to you is keep doing what you're doing. Keep looking after yourself. Keep the hand hygiene going. Keep away from people. Keep the social distancing going. Wear your mask at all times. And I know people get frustrated when they're looking at what other people are doing or when it's perceived that people are breaching other regulations. But all we can do is look after our own patch, look after ourselves, don't be worried about what the neighbours are getting up to. And if you are worried about what the neighbours are getting up to, just make sure that you give those neighbours a wide berth. But yeah, I sense your frustration, but I also sense your fear. There's a lot of people very, very fearful at the moment. But hang in there. The vaccines are here and the vaccines are coming and hopefully you'll be in in one of the groups that will get the vaccine sooner uh, rather than later. And says, uh, good morning, uh, Patricia. We can't give everyone the vaccine Altogether, we have to wait for greater supplies. And absolutely, yeah, that's why uh, when I did my piece on the vaccines, I'm, I'm hoping that the Astra, the Oxford AstraZeneca one, I'm really hoping that the European Medicine Board gives that approval sooner rather than later so we can start rolling at that one out because I think that's the one that's going to be the big game changer. But yes, we are. Our hands are tied in some way in the amount that we're getting from Pfizer and the amount we're going to get from Moderna. But I just think it's frustrating when we know that there are vaccines on this island and they're not being given out. I think that's where certainly my frustration uh, lies. Hi Patricia, can you tell me this please? Back in March when we locked down, it was taken far more seriously. Passing through towns like Inishannon and Bandon yesterday, the playgrounds and the skate parks were full of people. And I'm not just talking about children, there was adults there as well. A lot of people didn't appear to be social distancing themselves from each other. Also, when I was in uh, town, some of the shops that I feel are not deemed as a necessity are still open despite all the current laws. People seem to be meeting up on the streets, no masks. Are people absolutely unaware of how dangerous this is or do they not care anymore about uh, others? And they should be caring about others. And, and I mentioned that Dr. Tony Houlihan was, came out yesterday uh, saying, and I think the teacher could said it as well, that when you're out now, the, this was, I think it was the teacher said it first, then it got endorsed by Dr. Tony Houlihan. They're saying now to wear face masks outside, and that includes walking or running. If you, you know, if you're going for your daily run, they're suggesting now where, wherever you are outside, where there is the possibility you're going to meet up with other people, then you need to have face masks on. And again, as I said to that elderly gentleman from West Cork, all you can do, personal responsibility, is look after your own patch. You know, do the social distancing yourself. Make sure you're wearing uh, your mask. And if you go in somewhere where you're feeling uncomfortable, that there's too many people in there and that there's people not abiding by social distancing then leave because the one thing I noticed at the weekend I slightly noticed the opposite I thought when I was out doing you know the big I'm sort of trying to do a big weekly shop now and have the shopping list with with me so to limit the amount of times I need to go to uh, the shops and I noticed I particularly noticed on Saturday in Tesco that everybody seemed to be giving people 
a wide enough space. People were standing back. People were waiting. You know, if you were looking for an item in the fridge section, over your shoulder there was a sense there was somebody else waiting, but they were standing well back. Uh, And I really felt people were very much giving everybody else space. And even outside, I noticed in the car park, anybody I saw that was you know, speaking to anybody else, everybody seemed to be standing apart. But again, maybe it was just the time that I was out and the group of people that happened uh, to be out. That's, it's not to say that everybody is doing that, which is a real shame. But you are right. Some people seem to be absolutely unaware of just how dangerous this uh, virus uh, is. And I think you certainly are right in March lockdown people seem to take it a lot more seriously whereas now there's a bit of complacency getting in there's a bit of pandemic fatigue you hear a lot being spoken about people are getting fed up of it but getting fed up of it does not mean that the virus has uh, gone away and hi Trish just listening to you talk about uh, COVID-19 and I just want to say a friend of mine has a daughter in her 20s who works in Cork City but they're originally from North Cork she travels home every Friday to her home place then she stays with her boyfriend at his house on a Saturday night and then she travels back to Cork City on Sunday evening is this right Uh, if this keeps going we uh, is this right that what this young person is doing we're not going out at all for obvious reasons but the younger ones seem to think that they won't get it my friend actually told me that her daughter says mum I won't get it as I'm young young people don't get COVID-19 no wonder the HSE is overwhelmed why don't the young people cop on and help the rest of us to stay alive this is a silent killer so why don't they understand about that I wonder thanking you uh, please withhold my name for obvious reasons and Professor Philip Nolan yesterday tracking the virus said that one in 54 people getting COVID-19 are aged between 20 and 44. So your friend's daughter who's in her 20s is right in that cohort of uh, people. So she's very silly to believe that she won't get COVID-19. And also, don't know how many people watched Claire Byrne last night who was coming live from outside the Martyr Hospital. I know there was a lot of criticism about the fact that RT had decided to do that outside broadcast from outside such a busy hospital. But it seems the hospital themselves wanted the programme to come so they could get the message out just how dangerous COVID-19 is and just to try to get the message across how overwhelmed this one hospital is and they were reflecting what's going on in every hospital around the country. But the one thing that stuck out for me was one of the ICU nurses talking about the amount of young people who they were now treating in ICU and the amount of young people that were in hospital and how different it was this time round to the first wave when in the first wave it was predominantly older people that were ending up in hospital that were ending up in ICU and now it's very different. We have younger people who are now clogging up the hospital because they're so unwell with COVID-19. So a very silly attitude on behalf of that young person to believe just because she's in her 20s she's not going to get COVID-19 and if she does sure it won't bother me at all I hope it stays really really fine for her and Patricia it's been reported that hospitals are struggling to cope with the huge volume of Covid patients being admitted CUH have the highest intake in the country with 143 cases surely the hospitals should be able to manage better as all now non-Covid treatment has been cancelled or delayed overall 4,000 staff nationwide are out due to contracting the virus or else they've been deemed a close contact but there are 40,000 nursing staff registered in this 
this country. ICU in all hospitals are are severely compromised due to insufficient beds. Lack of planning for extra capacity over the quiet summer months was a huge mistake and it still needs to be addressed. 1850-333-103 Just some of your thoughts and comments coming in. John Paul is taking calls at 1850-333-103 You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. Now, according to the Irish Examiner on Friday, staff at Mallow General Hospital felt left out after management at the hospital received a call saying vaccinations would not be available to them when they were expecting them at the weekend. To discuss this further, I'm joined by local Labour Doll Deputy uh, Sean Sherlock. Uh, good morning to you, Sean. Mm, wrong button press. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, to you, Sean. I'm, I'm, I'm very well, and and you're very, you're very welcome. Uh, now, firstly, you know, I know um, from what I gathered from a, a post that you put up yesterday, vaccines did finally arrive at the hospital yesterday. But take me back to the weekend. What led Mallow Hospital to believe that they would have vaccines available to them at the weekend? Well, my understanding, Patricia, is that it was communicated to them by HSE sources and uh, Mallow General Hospital would come under the the South-South-West Hospital Group. So it's part of a group of hospitals that includes Bantry and and CUH and others. So that communication would have come down the line to them. Uh, I don't know why exactly uh, the vaccine wasn't then rolled out uh, at the uh, the appointed time. But there was a tweet from a doctor uh, within the hospital that I picked up on, uh, Dr. Schmidt, where uh, I reacted to that by calling the CEO of the South South West Hospital Group and I texted uh, Paul Reid, uh, the head of the HSC at that point, to say that, uh, you know, that there had to be a quality of access to vaccines right across the hospital system within the South South West Hospital Group and Mallow couldn't be seen to be an outlier because it's delivering acute medicine just like every other hospital within the group. Uh, when I spoke to the CEO of the South South West Hospital Group, he uh, confirmed to me, uh, he came back to me to state that it would be rolled out uh, and, and thankfully that has happened now and that started yesterday at Mallow General Hospital and I, it's fantastic really because in the first instance, it means that the vaccine has been rolled out. It's the first evidence of the vaccine being rolled out at the most local level, if you will. And, you know, pay tribute to the, the staff who allowed themselves to be photographed for social media on the Mallow General Hospital uh, Twitter account last night, because that really makes it really tangible for people to know that our frontline workers are receiving the vaccine. I have to say, though, that I'm still worried about, we'll say, other frontline workers, uh, notwithstanding the, the fact that it's been rolled out in Mallow General Hospital, we still have a lag time now for the rollout of the vaccine into GP surgeries and across to, you know, community pharmacists and, and other uh, frontline workers. And and I'm worried now that there's there's going to be a lag for GPs. Now, I'm in contact with GPs as we speak, uh, and I've been pushing back on the HSE to, to uh, you know, seek confirmation as to when GP surgeries across the county now can reasonably expect to have 
receipt or take receipt of the vaccine because I think that's a vital cog. Yeah, well, I, I spoke well. with uh, Dr. Paula Sullivan, who uh, runs a, works in a GP practice in Bantry Monday of last week, and he was making that same point. And he was saying, "Look, we're here. We're dealing with a lot of the COVID uh, cases, trying to keep GP practices going, dealing with the general population, trying to keep them out of hospital as well. They have a very vital role." And he said, "If any of us come down with COVID, or even if we then become a close contact," and we can't go to work he said it is going to be detrimental to the health system if we use our GPs so I was surprised even at that stage why GPs were not up there on the same level as the doctors and the nurses at the hospital settings well, well, and, and they should be on, a, on, a, on an equal footing uh, but this is probably down to supply issues of the vaccine and we, we know that the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine you know, is is administered in two doses, and there are particular types of you know storage considerations to be brought into uh, be brought to bear there as well. But notwithstanding all of that, uh, we do want to see GP surgeries and community pharmacists. You know, if you're talking about tiering this out, that they would be the next you know obvious tier, and maybe including dentists. Uh, as well in in that cohort, and 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 anybody that's a deemed to be a frontline, you know. Uh, uh, deliverer, if you will, of, of medicine. And so we're pushing back now on the HSC. You know, we're in contact with them, you know, to ask what the timelines are going to be because we have a sense of what the tiers of the rollout will be in terms of age cohorts. But what we don't have are defined, uh, you know, timelines. And that's something that I've been liaising with our own party leader on, Alan Kelly, uh, and, and we'll be talking about that uh, later on. And uh, then I, d- I don't know if you saw the report that was in the Sunday Independent at the weekend that they claimed that they had seen an internal HSC data showing that they don't name the hospitals, just a hospital in Cork who vaccinated six times more management and background staff than doctors in the first week of the vaccine rollout. That My needs to be questioned. It does need to be questioned. And my understanding is that it was refuted, but that has to be clarified as well. I think my key approach to all of this as as one of the local TDs or public representatives is to try and keep pushing the HSE to ensure that there is a rollout of the vaccine in a timely fashion to those who most need it. That's my simple philosophy. And if GPs are telling me, for instance, like your GP in Bantry, uh, that they still, uh, you know, don't have site of this vaccine. I I can tell you that there was uh, an initiative uh, which they they tried to push through for Mallow General Hospital, whereby if there was surplus uh, stock, if you will, that that would then be rolled out or distributed amongst local GPs and, for instance, the North Cork region. Uh, I don't know if that has actually borne fruit uh, or not, but perhaps that is something that needs to be looked at. The supply issue is the big issue here, Mm. and we don't have sight on where the HSE is in respect of the supply of the BioNTech one. Now, I take some comfort in the fact that, for instance, uh, that today we're hearing that AstraZeneca has applied to the European Medicines Agency to have the vaccine authorised across uh, Europe. And, you know, once that is done, and I'm confident that it will be, what we need to hear from then is from the HSE as to how that will be rolled out, because obviously that is a different... similar vaccine but a different type of delivery mechanism. Well that's that's going to be the game changer because that's the vaccine that GPs can start and your local pharmacy can start rolling out. Indeed 
and and then we're into the language of of mass vaccination. Then we're like people like me are already thinking about you know mass community rollout of the vaccine. We're already t- talking to people like you know you know venue you're talking to various uh, operators and owners of venues. What are the appropriate venues mm-hmm. whereby you could have explored the potential of of drive through vaccinations? For instance, we have heard from. States like Alabama and the United States, where in one hour they vaccinated 500 odd people. Well, Dr. So, Dr. Mike Thompson down in Middleton, who joined us on many times on the programme for the flu vaccine, they had set up a drive through for the flu vaccine. Now they had to close it down, unfortunately, because they couldn't get enough vaccines. But they showed how efficient it was and how easy it was to set it up. It, it, and, and those are the two key words, efficiency and, and effectiveness, how easy it is to be able to do it. And what you have now, the one thing that we can pride ourselves in in this country is that we know how to mobilise a voluntary effort very quickly. And we have an army and a, a, a coterie of public servants, public health people operating within the public health system who know how to mobilise uh, all of the factors that you know, bring about something uh, like a mass vaccination event. Uh, and, and we know how to do mass testing and all of that. So that, to my mind, would be, should not be challenging. But what we do need to do is to focus on the supply. And all, But I can just say from my own part as, a, as an APD in the Cork area that I'm having the conversations with people like Alan Kelly because I'm, you know, feeding back to people like Alan Kelly to feed back to people like Paul Reid to say, look, you know, let's, let, where is the thinking on this and so that you're not behind the curve and okay. the supply of the vaccine. Okay. Process. All right. Okay. Listen, uh, Sean, we leave it there and uh, good news though to know that the staff at Mallow Hospital finally did get uh, their vaccinations and that certainly is the good news uh, story out of it. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Good morning to you. That is uh, Labour Doll Deputy for Cork East, uh, Sean Sherlock. We're actually going to stay on the topic of uh, vaccinations and hearing a call as to why home helps and when will home helps be vaccinated. Cork Today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click regional reports or download the C103 app and click podcasts. Regional reports only on C103. I want to stay on the topic of vaccines because yesterday we had a number of calls from Home Helps and other caregivers wondering when would they be prioritised for the COVID-19 vaccine. Cork North Central, Fianna Gael, Dáil Deputy Colin Burke feels this group should be vaccinated and soon and he joins me. Good morning to Colin. Morning Patricia. Uh, do you know when the HSE plan to vaccinate Home Helps? Is, are they in the timeline? I'm not sure what the up-to-date position is, but um, up until, say, Saturday or Sunday, they were way down along the line. I made a statement on Sunday on this matter. My understanding is that all of the private home care um, companies that, you know, have a lot of people employed providing home care were contacted yesterday for uh, information. So at least we've moved a step forward as regards direct contact made by the HSE because I actually think this is a crucial group. Some of these home helps are calling to four or five houses a mm-hmm. day uh, that provide absolutely um, very good care 
and it provided it all through a very difficult time and it's important that, and the people that they're calling to then are, are nine times out of ten very vulnerable people so it's extremely important um, and that the, they would be included. They're the, the very people that they're caring for are as you say the very vulnerable yep. in the main older people they're the very people we need to A. keep out of hospital so therefore the work yep. they're doing is vital but more importantly we need to make sure that they don't get COVID-19. Absolutely, and in particular, say you have you could have anything up to four different people calling to a a resident um, who's getting home help uh, in um, in a, in any one day because you know there there are different rotas. Therefore, it's so important that everyone who's providing home care is vaccinated, and then that we start dealing with the um, people, you know, the different age groups, then in order to get the maximum number of people who are high risk vaccinated in early stage. I also think we need to move this debate on. We're now talking about over 700,000 people to be vaccinated by the end of within an 11-week time period. We need also to prioritise the vaccination of GPs. Now, in fairness, in the South Infirmary, over the weekend, over 1,200 people were vaccinated. Uh, they opened the clinic at 8 o'clock in the morning, and that included healthcare workers, uh, ambulance uh, paramedics. It also included GPs and the people that work in GP practice. And for, from what I gather, that was operated voluntarily by staff of the, of yep. the South of what, what a 14, brilliant, uh, brilliant thing to do. And I saw there was lots on social media. They had queues of people all day, all social distance, uh, and everybody turned up to get vaccinated, showing how a clinic like that can work. Yeah, well, Dr. Michelle Murphy is the clinical director there, and she came to the conclusion they got vaccine, I think, the previous week, and they went through, they vaccinated 450 of their staff in, in a day or day and a half, and she was convinced, together with the hospital management and the CEO there, um, came to the conclusion that if they opened the clinic, they could provide vaccine for a large number of people in a short period of time, and that's what they did. They got on and did it. And I think it's important that if we could get all the GPs uh, and their um, people who work in GP practices vaccinated, we could then have GPs start providing the vaccination because, you know, there's a big question at the moment about database and all the rest of it. Let's get on with it. They have the database of their patients. They know who their vulnerable patients are and they can make the decision about um, how to prioritise. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to st- start, uh, stop uh, creating uh, obstacles to get this vaccine out. OK, Marion says, what about full-time carers? I'm a full-time uh, carer uh, to my 87-year-old mother who suffers from dementia. I am her sole carer. If I get sick with uh, COVID, I worry about bringing it home to her. But worse than that, if I get sick and ended up in hospital, who's going to look after my mother? A very, a very strong point there, and I think it's, it's important. That's why I think you know when we're rolling out the um, vaccine for uh, elderly people, that we also keep in mind the person like her who is a full-time carer and who is providing that support uh, for someone who otherwise would be in full-time care in either a nursing home or in a community hospital. And I think it's important that we prioritise that. I remember, you know. We do have uh, a large elderly population that we now need to protect and also protect the people that provide support to them. Well, I I know Family Carers Ireland have come out about this. When you look at the sequencing of all the different groups and who's going to be vaccinated and what group gets vaccinated uh, next, carers are not even mentioned on that column. 
Yeah, but as I said, the as a result of that, um, and I've been on to the Tonish's office and I've been on to the Minister for Health uh, today as well, about prioritising that group. I think some progress is the fact that there were the uh, various companies that provide... Um, uh, who provide care for elderly people were contacted yesterday looking for information about the numbers of people they've employed so that uh, they're on the list to be to be dealt with and I think that's that we need to bring it up along the line very fast now. Okay, and are you happy enough with the way the rollout of the programme? There's uh, I a criticism that it's not been rolled out fast enough. I, I think some of that criticism is valid but I think it's important that we we don't always put out the negative side. I think there's a lot of positive things happening. We have a vaccine now. Um, AstraZeneca, the uh, other vaccine, has now applied to the European Medicines Agency and hopefully that will be made available within, uh, will be approved by the European Medicines Agency within the next four weeks. That's one where, you know, you don't have the same kind of restrictions as you have on the Pfizer's vaccine because the Pfizer vaccine has to be brought down to a very low temperature and it has to be brought back up to a temperature that it can be used at. So, you know, we'll have, we, we have now two vaccines available. My view is that we can actually get this done Okay. and uh, get it done in an expeditious okay. uh, whip manner. You know? All right, uh, Colm, thank you for that and uh, stay welcome. safe. Thanks uh, for joining us. That is Cork North Central, Fine Gael Dáil Deputy, uh, Colm Burke. Need to take a quick break. News at 11 on the way. Cork Today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. If you are a soccer fan, then I suggest you join Trevor Welsh on c103.ie this Saturday for the Premier League Live, exclusively online, powered by Talk Sport. Now, this Saturday, it's Wolves versus West Brom. That's at 12.30. Then at three o'clock, West Ham versus Burnley. Half past five, Aston Villa take on Everton. And the final match to be covered is at eight o'clock, where Leicester City taking on Southampton. That's the Premier League Live online with Now TV. Stream live Premier League action with a Now TV Sky Sports or Sky or Sports Extra Pass. You can listen every Saturday on the C103 app or you can go to c103.ie. Now some of your thoughts coming in to us and the majority of your thoughts to do with COVID-19. Hi Patricia, I rarely get angry, however, due to what I would describe as selfish, ignorant people wanting to party over Christmas. They have spread this virus. My blood is boiling as I send you this message. We are in a dire situation in this country. Our frontline workers are dropping like flies. Why do these selfish people, who do these selfish people think are going to take care of those infected due to their desire to have a good party over Christmas. Our GPs, our ambulance service, our teachers and the likes, they should be getting the vaccine first. They are the ones we need to stay safe and uh, well. And that's who they should be prioritising first, says a texter. Very annoyed to think we are now the worst in the world when it comes to cases of uh, COVID-19. And then lots of people putting forward 
we're meant to be in lockdown and evidence that we're not really in lockdown like somebody is saying Patricia why are garages all fully open they were closed down during the first lockdown in March so you can't call this a complete lockdown somebody else says I was in my local shopping centre yesterday groups of children hanging around they were young people about the age of 12 so they weren't teenagers Uh, parents have responsibility for these children what business have they got hanging around Uh, their schools are closed and they closed their schools for a reason to stop the movement of people they should be kept at home by the way none of them were wearing masks and none of them were shopping either and it's one of the arguments that's always been put forward as to why schools should remain open during the pandemic that it stops groups of young people gathering and doing what young people do they want to be out with their friends they don't want to be inside all of the time and therefore is that defeating the purpose of not having the schools uh, opened some will say Morning, uh, Patricia. was out walking this morning. The amount of vans. I thought construction closed down at six o'clock last Friday evening. It can't all be essential work. That's from Breather from Bantry, who's also questioning how much of a lockdown are we actually having. Sandy says, why are people on about the speed of vaccination programme? In my opinion, the density of population of cities in the EU generally means bigger hospitals and more of them. Birmingham and Manchester Manchester, for example, for example, in England, have a similar population to half of Ireland. Look at sanitising requirements, waiting time afterwards to check for any allergic reactions to the vaccine. Population density means bigger consignment of freezing vaccines can be delivered to destinations with a subsequent bigger staff numbers to administer. Density, logistics, plus established isolation admission units and facilities means more vaccinations, ease of supervision and massive cost reductions all around the Sandy. But I suppose when it was Keith had initially said how come that they're vaccinating more in the UK and he quoted 1.5 million vaccinated in one day last uh, Thursday. But the big game changer is the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, that's available in the UK. It's not available here. So that's the big game changer because doctors, GP practices can be administering that. So that's one of the explanations why they're certainly giving more. Uh, We are very much dependent on work. At the moment, we're getting 40,000 vaccines a week from Pfizer. So that's all we have to actually administer what people are saying. As soon as we get it in, we should be getting it into people's arms. Um, And then John is saying, isn't it great that we have a vaccine for COVID-19 in less than 12 months? And John, we've more than one. By the end of this year, we could have six, seven, even up to eight different vaccines all for COVID-19. But John is saying, on the other hand, we've had cancer with us for years and years and years, and yet they never seem to be able to find a cure. Wouldn't it make you stop and think... Is it a money thing or is cancer a bit of a money spinner for drug companies? Look at the millions and trillions that's been donated by good people uh, all over this world to try to help find a cure. At the end of the day, no cure and which is the lesser of both evils, cancer or COVID, uh, says John. And there has been breakthroughs with cancer, certainly, and that's all down to research but yet, is there ultimately a complete cure for cancer? No, and you're not the first person, John, that I've heard say that and make that point. Is there money to be made in cancer treatment rather than in a cure? You would hate to think that that's what's going on. But yeah, I, I can see where your thought pattern is coming from. Hi, Patricia. My mother is uh, 90 and my brother, who is 69, uh, is her minder and they live in a very isolated area. However, unfortunately, my brother had a stroke last week and we are now 
now so worried when he comes home from hospital, fearful that he might bring COVID out with him. Uh, she does need a vaccine ASAP as he is her sole carer and we are all extremely worried about it. It's, there's so many different situations like that. People just terrified of COVID arriving arriving to their door. The only thing I can say is your mother, when you look at the sequencing of the list of people, when everyone is done in the nursing homes and all the frontline workers are done, they then start moving into the age groups of people out in the community and certainly the older you are, the first you are in the list to get it. But we've no timeline yet and the reason the HSE will say we don't have a timeline, they, they simply say we don't have enough vaccines available. Lister says public had their chance and did not listen to the government. The only way to bring numbers down really quickly is to introduce and enforce hefty uh, fines. And I'm assuming you're saying that people partied in the lead up to Christmas. But in fairness, when you say they didn't listen to the government, there's criticism of the government because the government were the ones who opened up hospitality in the run up to Christmas. And the government were the ones who said you could have family gatherings at Christmas with up to three coming from three different households. Other countries told people to cancel Christmas and told people not to socialise, didn't have any hospitality opened. So, you know, while people are, are criticising what happened over Christmas, the flip side of that is people will say, well, we stuck with the rules and regulations up to when the government said we could go out and party, we retail opened, we could go out and shop and we could go out and uh, socialise. So it's kind of, for the government, damned if you do and damned if you didn't. And that's not to say that everyone took on board that you could have three different groups all meeting up in your house on Christmas Day. Many people had very, very quiet Christmas and didn't interact with other family members, didn't interact with friends, didn't go out and socialise when restaurants were, were open. And a lot of people took their own personal decision not uh, to do it. But as to bring in hefty fines, the Gardaí now can hand out on-the-spot fines of €100. Euro. This is for people found to be travelling beyond the 5k COVID travel limit and if they refuse to turn back then the Gardaí can give you an on-the-spot fine of €100. Euro. Gardaí can prosecute breaches of travel restrictions which were introduced under the Level 5 with this fixed charged notice. That is a change on what's been happening. We've all seen social media posts of people who go out and just deliberately do it. They're filming the Gardaí to challenge the Gardaí, won't turn back. And you're almost screaming at the camera saying, give them a fine, give them a fine. Gardaí are now saying that's exactly what they're going to do. It was the Gardaí headquarters yesterday announced that a person who breaches the travel requirement and fails to comply with an offer's direction can now uh, be prosecuted. It includes this on-the-spot fine of €100. And in some cases, they may actually uh, send a direction to the Director of Public Prosecution. Gardaí have escalated their policing response. This was particularly after beauty spots across the country were packed over the weekend. There was a lot, I know in Wicklow, there was a lot of what they were calling snow visitors going up the Wicklow Mountains all of them outside of their five kilometre limit. So the fixed charge notices can now be handed out under emergency health legislation measures that state a person should not leave their place of residence without reasonable excuse. Gardaí say they are continuing to police by consent 
and that enforcement is still their last resort. But they are saying if you travel beyond your 5k, if you're stopped by the Gardaí, they'll do that. What is it? Educate and uh, encourage you to turn around and go home. But if you're adamant, no, I'm doing what I want to do, then you could be slapped with this 100 euro fine. And by the way, travelling beyond the 5k is permitted in certain incidents. I mean, if you've got to go to work, if it's essential service, if it's a medical appointment or if you're visiting a person who you is in your support bubble or you're offering care to a vulnerable uh, person. Gardaí have also repeatedly emphasised that the five kilometre limit does not apply to victims of domestic violence who are seeking help. And a number of people, I did mention this last week, have already been prosecuted before the courts for breaching uh, the travel rules. Some people actually ended up in prison, other people had higher fines. But now, Gardaí are saying, as and from today, fixed this on the spine fine of 100 euro if you're caught will that help only time will tell 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 C103 jobs healthcare assistant is required for Chuck Alter that's in Newmarket while Philip Walsh Refrigeration and Electrical they have a vacancy for an apprentice electrician slash refrigeration technician Construction General Operative wanted for sites mainly in South Cork, all round experience and relevant certs, please. And an experienced electrician with experience in maintenance in industrial pharma is required for work in East Cork. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. And just on vaccinations, uh, Thomas and Holly Hill says when you get the vaccine, do you get a card saying that you've received the vaccine? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Okay, last week we had a call in from a local builder who was carrying out agricultural construction work at a local farm. He was stopped at a guard at the checkpoint and he was told that due to level five COVID restrictions, he would have to down tools as of 6pm last Friday. Harold Kingston, Munster Regional Chair of the IFA, said he'd look into this issue for us and he got back to us. I'm delighted to say Harold now joins me. Good morning to you, Harold. Good morning, Patricia. And ha- uh, many happy returns. Now, were you surprised not to see agriculture mentioned under the list of limited exceptions for construction? Uh, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't at the, at the start because, um, look, we're, we're obviously in a very serious situation um, and, you know, and anything that, that doesn't need to be done, shouldn't be done, basically, is, is what, what everybody needs to take on board at the moment. Um, but that there, there were special allowances um, in the first lockdown um, to do with agricultural construction. At that stage, it was to do with silage slabs, which, um, which needed to be in place before first cut silage was, was happening and so on. Uh, and this time, we assumed that it would be straightforward. It wasn't mentioned at the start, and, and look, it, it, it had, to be, had to be lobbied for. Um, but thankfully, it, it's, you know, there's, there's essential work that always happens around this time of the year to do with, with milking machines in particular because of the fact that uh, with with uh, spring calving herds, they're, they're, the cows are dry. So this is the time, the only time that you have for to actually do work on a milking parlour. Uh, likewise, in, in some cases, calf sheds and so on that are needed for the spring. So there was a concession allowed then, um, purely on, on, on you know welfare uh, reasons for, for animals. Obviously, you have to have the facilities available for them and so on. 
Um, yeah, because we clear, had you know. the one of the the farmer who contacted us. Mm. He reckoned there was about two weeks' work left yeah. on the calving sheds mm. that he was building, and he's expecting to start calving in, in about three weeks. So the whole idea was that the sheds would be okay. ready, and the builder then suddenly was told, "No, well, look, it, it's it's similar to what was done for for private houses, where you know some somebody who was midway through building a house was told to stop up, but anybody who was about to finish." Um, was was told yes you can you can work away and finish the job and it's exactly the same for this if you are actually in in a job uh, that is due to be finished by the end of January then you are allowed to finish that job um, obviously you know we we would be advocating as well that if if you are planning on starting a job now now is not the time to be starting okay and and outside of this uh, Harold how are farmers affected by the level five restrictions. Yeah, like there's, there's, there's a lot of different issues because, in, in for instance, no, um, you know, TB testing and, and that where, you know, you, you know for, for big animals, it's easy enough to keep distance, but for small animals, it, it, it's very difficult for the farmer and the vet to keep um, the, the two metre distance. So there's, there's allowances there whereby if, if a farmer doesn't need to sell animals immediately, uh, that you can delay the test uh, in, in the event that you're not available to actually do it. You know, maybe the farmer is laid up, it could be anything. Um, and likewise for, for calves, where normally you have to have a test uh, um, once they're 42 days of age, there's an allowance that it's up to 120 days of age uh, for, for, for trading farm to farm. Obviously, if they're going for export, it's a, it's a different story because you have to follow EU rules there. But, like, you know, there's, there's various allowances that, that can be made. Obviously, we're, we're exactly the same as any, um, any person who's, who's trying to work uh, in, in terms of sourcing materials, you know, whether sourcing feeds, uh, sourcing... Um, you know, uh, emergency repairs for 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 uh, for, for anything. Um, it, it's important that we have access to everything, um, and and it's about limiting your contacts the same as anybody else. You know, when when you talk about working from home, that's what farmers are doing all the time is, mm. is, is working from home as such. But it's a, it's a different working from home. It's not. Um, I know I'm I'm spending a lot of my time sitting in front of a computer, all right, with meetings and so on at the moment. But um, you know, it, it, there's there's going to be a certain amount of interaction. Um, it is, generally speaking, a fairly isolated and lonely job, um, you know, in, in that you're doing a lot of the work on your own. But there are times when you need to bring in help, whether it's a contractor, whether it's uh, a vet, you know, and, and, and those jobs have to be done. And, and those jobs, you, you need to take extra care uh, if, if you're doing them. And travelling beyond the 5k for work reasons, be that in farming, is allowed? It is, yeah. It's actually the first, the first on the list in terms of that any farmer has, has the right to, to, to travel beyond the 5k. Um, you, know, it, it, it's, you know, you could be checking stock on an outside farm. It could be, um, you know, to do with repairing of a machine. It could be any, anything that way. Um, so, yes, uh, for, for a farmer, what we're, um, we're, we're told to do is to carry ID at all times. Um, you know, it can be a, a driving licence or the, the, the ideal is your, your IFA membership card would be the ideal. Uh, likewise, if, if um, uh, such as myself, if, if, if you have a, a worker working for you, um, it, there, there's a letter that's, that you need to give to that worker to, to allow them to travel beyond the 5K as well if they're, if they're stopped. Because uh, there certainly are more checkpoints and I think we're going well, to start are. seeing more and more checkpoints, particularly now that the Gardaí have decided, as in from yesterday, that they can prosecute for breaches of the travel restrictions. Exactly. I think as a direct result of that, we're going to see uh, more checkpoints. But I was reading in the Farming Independent uh, today that uh, concerns um, about, for the farming community about continued Department of Agriculture farm inspections. Do you have yeah. concerns around that? 
Um, yeah, look, there, there's, there's, there's going to be a certain number of, of inspections that need to take place, um, whether it's to do with, 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 with feed, animal welfare and, and so on. There's going to be a certain number of those, but that's uh, realistically any, any other inspections. Um, like, look, if, if, if a farmer has, has to, to isolate because of COVID or whatever, then it, it's, it's pretty obvious that there's no inspector going to be able to, to deal with that farmer. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's measures in place there to keep everybody safe and the same thing uh, applies whether whether it's the department inspector or a vet or anybody it's it's essential travel and essential work only um and we we've actually in IFA we've put together um a covid hub um it's easy enough to find on the IFA website if you look for that gorgeous yellow color that we've all got grown to love over mm. the past while um there there's there's a lot of information there in terms of what what is allowed to be done and what are your rights um whether it's to do with with accessing uh insurance accessing payments uh, you know de- dealing with with all the various multitude of things that happen if if a farmer is either sick or 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 a, a worker is sick or just in terms of of running your business because um you know we are we're, we're the primary front line as such. You know, uh, uh, if, if, if people don't have food, there's no worries about medical care at that stage. Um, the, the key thing is that people have a continuous supply of food, and that's something that we have managed to supply right the way through the system. Um, Even though right. I was reading a rural-based uh, GP uh, talking about the amount of COVID cases he's seen, he's seen more in the previous five days than he's seen yep. in the previous five months. So while... In many rural areas, there was zero COVID. Yep. COVID has now come into rural areas. And, and look, we, we'll, we'll all pinpoint the various super spreader events or parties or whatever that shouldn't have happened. But the reality is that because of the fact that it's in the community, there's an awful lot of people that I know personally that haven't a clue where they picked it up from. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it is, it is a case of, you know, um, as, as a farmer, I have to have a plan B. So if if I get laid up, if I can't if I can't work, then I need to to make sure that there's somebody else who is is lined up to be able to do that work. Uh, if I don't have somebody, I need to have a list. Like uh, I I I've cows due to start calving shortly. I I have a list in in my dairy of of every one of those animals and when they're when they're due to calve, so that if somebody had to come in uh, at, at at a moment's notice, that's the list is there. Once they do start calving, I I I actually put it in place for last year. Um, I have a whiteboard inside in the, the calf house with a list of what calves are and what pin and how much each uh, each pin is to get in terms of milk or, or, or feed and so on. Um, and you know, up in, up in, up in the loader, I've, I've, I'll have a, a list of what each each building um, that that has animals in it, which you know what what each bunch is supposed to get. So it, it's about having having preparation for it because realistically, it is something that is transferring in the community now. Uh, you don't know where you're going to pick it up. Uh, obviously, you try and, and limit your travel and limit your context as much as possible. And to that end, you know, we, we've, we've all been told uh, with, with our co-ops and, and merchants and so on, you know, if a driver comes into the into the yard, the idea of, of walking over to the driver, having a chat, that's gone now. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. You, know, you, you, you yeah. stay away from them. But we have uh, to stay to apart them. to stay safe, exactly. uh, for and, sure. And it's, it's, it's not something, you know, 
as, as a farmer, you, you mightn't have met somebody for, for, for a couple of days and you'd love to see somebody right into the yard. I know. But realistically, you have to walk away from them. Yeah. I, I've been inside in shops and, and that, uh, I'll spot somebody I know and I will specifically walk away because I know that that, that means that I'm going to have to stop and have a chat. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's tough going. But it's personal responsibility, though. It's personal responsibility for all of us. It is. And, yeah. and, and right the way through the food chain, we have to, you know, you know, it starts here on the farm, but we have to protect the drivers that come in here and they have to protect the people in the in the processing centres um, and, and all the way through to retail. If, if if there's any break in the link, then, then there's a problem. And I know there was a recent Red Sea poll. They reckon 77% of farmers are prepared to take the COVID vaccine when the programme is available in, in the wider community. It, 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 it's, yeah, we're, we're, we're used to, to dealing with, with vaccines for animals and so on. Um, That's it, a good it, point. You know, we, we, we know the benefits um, of, of vaccinating because the... A, a vaccine is far better than, than than dealing with the cure at any stage. Um, yeah. And and I know like I I I've a number of vaccines done for for various things now over over the winter period for for my animals and do another uh, round now where every single animal in the place will be getting getting one for uh, pneumonia, others will be getting one for uh, leptospirosis, BVD, and so on. Um, you know, so I'd say if 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 there's if there's a shortage of people to give to give out vaccines, if, if people were willing to actually line up, I think a farmer would probably do a couple of hundred every day. No problem. You know, there's an offer. There's a great <laughs> offer. And just finally, then Mart's all held online. Is, yeah. is that working okay for for the majority? It, it's okay at the moment because well, look, the, there's there's not no major big sales there at the moment. Okay. Um, I, again, look, it, it's all about about stopping the the uh, congregation of people. Um, the marks themselves are actually safe enough uh, inside them if people are, are inside around the ring and distance there's no major problem but it's the coming and going is the problem uh, and it's the interactions um, you know that it's the same same thing as, as with the with the 5k you know the the idea behind the 5k is that you don't you know I, I've, I've a walk on the farm here and if if it was a case that there wasn't the limit then you could have hundreds of people suddenly turning up and the locals unable to actually get out for their exercise locally so you know it, it, it's about stopping congregations of people um we're just delighted that because of technology we have a way of actually uh being able to buy and sell animals through the mart mm. um if we didn't have that technology then we would be in a serious problem but we do have the technology it's not perfect it's not for everybody but it's what we have and it's what we have to work with for the for the next while. Are you OK for good broadband? It, it's OK. Is it, uh, okay. <laughs> the, uh, teenagers in the house and so on. Yeah, and, uh, uh, well, and, with, and, you know, with the homeschooling, it's becoming a bit of an issue with everybody trying to be online at the same time. Exactly. And, yeah. and like even tonight, you know, I know there's, there's, there's foreign against... Um, uh, online meetings and so on. Uh, like in, in my IFA position, I would have normally an, an awful lot of travelling which I don't have, um, but that's uh, I, I, I. I'm actually speaking at three meetings tonight. Um, so there's so a, there is a plus. <laughs> there is. A you plus. would normally not be able to speak at three meetings in one night. I wouldn't have a hope of doing it under normal circumstances. So yeah. I'll, I'll be I'll be tuning in to, to North Tipperary at, at first, and then uh, moving on to Waterford and finish up in West Cork okay. uh, for three meetings tonight. Okay, and fingers crossed that nobody else goes on to watch him download a movie or something. <laughs> Keep the kids off Netflix. All right, listen, Howard, pleasure as always to talk to you. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us.
And uh, thanks for that update. That is Harold uh, Kingston uh, joining us, who is the Munster Regent Chair of the IFA. But glad to get that clarification on uh, people who are having agricultural work done um, once it's been for an animal welfare issue and you're midway through the job, you can continue to have the job done until it is uh, completed. Uh, Someone was on, Pat Infamoy was on, saying uh, Patricia mentioned that she tries to do one large shop a week so as to limit the amount of time she has to go to the shops. I know a lot of other people are doing the same thing, says Pat. But Pat feels I'm wrong to be doing that because what happens is with one large shop, I'm spending too long in the supermarket. I would be better off doing smaller shops and getting in and out every day, say within 15 minutes. Ah, I don't know. I absolutely accept the point you're making by doing one big shop. You are at the, you are inside in a supermarket longer. But when you're in the supermarket, you have to do the social distancing and wearing the mask and all of that. I still feel more comfortable limiting going in and out of shops every day. Surely you're more at risk because the advice is is to stay at home and only go out if it's essential. So if I can make my shopping trip one essential shopping trip rather than five small ones, I absolutely accept the point uh, you're making, but I still think I feel more happier by doing the one big shop than doing five small shops uh, during the week, whether I'm right or wrong. I don't know. But thank you for your call, uh, Pat. And we also had somebody on who found a drone. Where's that? Nora found a drone. It's a small drone. She found it in Mallowtown, black in colour with silver lines on the top of it. And uh, she found it on the shed of her roof. It obviously ran out of power. That could have been somebody's Christmas present now as well. And somebody only getting used to the drone and sent it off and it ran out of battery power and came down gently landing on Nora's roof so obviously if it's if the roof broke the fall it should be in okay condition so let's put the shout out did anybody lose a small drone in Mallowtown we'll give no more information than that black in colour with silver lines contact us please and we've got Nora's contact details 1850 333 103 Cork today on C103 with McCroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see McCroomMotors.com Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7 on C103. Last Saturday saw a major fire at the R&H Animal Feed Store in Ringeskiddy. Sadly, it was the third call to the site since last September with the County Fire Service responding to two calls within a day of each other. Local councillor Marcia Dalton joins me with her concerns. Good morning to you, Marcia. Good morning, Patricia. And how are you doing? I'm now, fine. Okay. For asking about this. Well, our pleasure. Firstly, no one was injured, and that's the the, the really the, the the positive out of this story. Uh, so we can be grateful for that. But do we know what air quality and how air quality was affected by that fire? I think a lot of us saw in great horror the photographs that went up on social media from it. Yeah, there was a big learning experience here, Patricia. You might remember that for many years we've been fighting an incinerator in Cork Harbour. Yeah. And not to detract from the issue of this weekend, but one of the issues we had been so very concerned about in the incinerator case was that Cork Harbour tends to be thr- prone to what are known as thermal inversions. So they happen typically in periods of cold, still weather, where there's a thick 
band of cold air over the water and then a warmer layer of air above. Now, the two layers don't mix. So what happens is if a plume of anything, really, gets released, it goes through that cold band of air, can't penetrate into the warm band of air and turns sideways. So all the pollutants or smoke or whatever it may be is trapped in the lower layer of the harbour. So this weekend, we had a thermal inversion and we could actually see at first hand that which we have been warning against for so many years. So from that point of view, it was extremely interesting, very sobering, and um, I hope there'll be learning experiences from it. So anyone who was down in the harbour on any time on Saturday from about half eight in the morning would have seen vast amounts of smoke coming from the the greenhouse that went on fire. Um, it's going up a couple of hundred feet, turning at right angles and then heading off in whatever direction the light breeze was taking us. So for about, oh, I suppose the first maybe six six hours of fire, maybe not quite, four or five hours of fire, um, it headed over Crosshaven direction and the thermal inversion allowed it to sort of just go over Crosshaven, um, over the Crosshaven Hill. And then it sat, reports were coming in of it sitting in the valleys of Milan Bridge and Ringabella. Um, and then as the afternoon went on, a little more westerly came into the breeze and it turned into Cork Harbour itself and started to be picked up by the only two air monitors that we have in the harbour in Cove. Um, and from about four o'clock, they showed significant spikes in particular concentrations in the air. But even at that stage, the worst of the fire was gone. Mm. And we have no idea what people downstream of the worst of the plume were experiencing. Because um, you don't have air monitoring no. facilities? Oh. No. The only air monitors in Cork Harbour are those two installed by the EPA in Cove. And they were put in as recently as oh, maybe two, three years ago. No more. And when people happened. were watching that, like it was billowing black plume of smoke. I mean, look, that must have made local people very nervous. Oh, hugely so. And the smell was um, difficult, you know, difficult. Now, we were being reassured all the time that the material that was burning was organic. Mm. Um, and Thankfully. it certainly was in vast bulk. But let's be real, the material was in a building and that building comprised of something other than something that was organic. Yeah, yeah. And undoubtedly, there was more inside the building conveyor belts or whatever. Um, yeah, the animal so feed was organic, but there was a lot was. more burning than just the animal feed. One would assume so. Um, and we were assured from the outset that there was no asbestos in the building. But we have no other details. So one of the things I asked for yesterday at our full council meeting was that we would be given an inventory of what might have burned. And the chief executive assured that that would be done as part of the 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 review of the incident when everything is settled. Because obviously the real concern for you and for others living in that General East Cork area, if a fire was in a more hazardous facility. Oh, Lord above, absolutely. We were so fortunate. This, The fire was tragic. It was awful that it happened. But the truth is, in every respect, 
we were lucky. It could so that fire in that building was right adjacent to the N28, the main road leading into the Ring of Skiddy Peninsula. Had it been any bigger, one would not have been able to get on or off that peninsula. The road would have been blocked. Had the wind been blowing in a different direction, it could have gone straight into Ring of Skiddy Village without any opportunity to disperse at all. It didn't. Um, had the wind been typically southwesterly, it would have gone across to Cove and genuinely enveloped Cove, where the hill is high. Um, it was unlikely with the inversion of the name of the time over Cove. Had it been easterly, it would have potentially caused um, interaction with next door, which is Pfizer. Um, so we were just so lucky in every respect mm. and so lucky that what burned was in large part organic. relatively innocuous. Yeah, uh, yeah. And w- when there is a fire like this, how are local people notified as to what they should do. I know, for example, I, our radio station was were telling people, keep your windows closed, but is there is there a text message alert system that's sent out to people? No, there isn't. And again, this was an issue. There were lots of plans for uh, Ring of Giddy. So the council would have an overall major emergency plan which would come into effect if, for example, one of the bigger industries that would be um, an upper tier Caveso site in other words, there would be a sort of an explosive risk. So that major emergency plan would be activated should there be an incident in one of those. And then each of the sites has their own emergency plan. Where it went wrong, I think, is that, and, and this has been, again, rumbling for quite some time, is that local people feel at such a distance from those plans. So there's huge competence in the area of planning. The authorities who are responsible for implementing the plan seem to know exactly what to do. But there, to date, has been a gap between how they engage with the local people. So residents um, of Ringeskiddy in particular on Saturday morning would have themselves felt a huge lack of communication between the port and RNH Hall and themselves until later in the morning. Um, and the Residents Association in Ringeskiddy was flat out trying to communicate through social media, to their own neighbours, in a role that they genuinely shouldn't have had to take. That should have been something that those in charge of the site would have taken responsibility for. Could something as simple as a text alert system be set up? Yes. So that's our hope. And this also was raised at yesterday's full council meeting. And encouragingly, the chief executive said that a text alert system, similar to the map alert system, was something he would look at. And if he felt it had potential, it was something that he would engage all the authorities in the Ringskitty Lower Harbour area with. So we're looking forward to that. If that advances, as we hope it will after his relative positivity yesterday, that will fill a gap that's been empty for a very long time. Okay, and and I know in an email you sent to us, you were out, it was the start of the year, you were actually out kayaking when there was a fire. I was. So I was just really conscious after the fire um, that that three times that week there had been incidences of air pollution. So the first one was the 3rd of January, the afternoon of. Now, I was out in the kayak going from one beach to another, if you like. And the smoke was so acrid that I actually turned and went towards the plume. Um, Because for the same reason, 
it was buoyant where the source was and was then coming down in the inversion. Um, and it was most unpleasant. Yeah. Now, I was told subsequently that that was a house fire. It seemed to me where I was low down in the water that it was coming from the naval base. But sadly and tragically, I was told afterwards it was a house fire. So the second incident was in Passage West, where the dockyard, a smaller dockyard, operating here, bulk loading and unloading, took a load of animal feed um, off a ship, which was of a dustier nature than typically the products they would handle would be. And Glenbrook and the southern half of Passage West was literally covered in fine animal dust. Mm. Um, most unpleasant. Um, there's a smell, there's an acridity, it sort of settles in the back of your nose. But it's also an unusual dust. So when it settles on your car or on your house and you rub it, it doesn't come off, it smathers. So it's very atypical to that, which we would normally associate with dust. And that was most unpleasant and most... Um, like if you're living there, you would worry very much so. Um, and then the fire in Ringskiddy was a third. And that was all within the one week and all in an area which is a bowl shape, which in conditions such as we had in this past week retains pollutants released and where there is no air monitoring other than those two monitors from the EPN call. Oh, I think that's the scary bit for people, the fact that there isn't yeah. uh, air monitoring. OK, listen, uh, Marcia, stay safe and thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you so much, Patricia. Great. Good morning bye to bye. you. Bye-bye. That is East Cork uh, Councillor uh, Marcia Dalton. It was a gorgeous uh, story uh, making the papers of uh, a, a woman. She's the oldest woman in Ireland, a lady by the name of Nancy Stewart. She's 107. She's just incredible. She's a native of, of Clannard in County Meath and she's on a mission at the moment to attend online masses in each of the 32 counties of Ireland before moving to other parishes outside of Ireland. And she's well on her way She's attended virtual masses two or three times a day. She's covered 21 counties so far and helping her out on the uh, journey is her granddaughter, Louise, who moved in with her back in March when we went into a lockdown. And Nancy has 84 grandchildren. And it was the it was Nancy herself came up with the idea after Louise moved in with her. Now Louise teaches IT and social media skills to senior citizens as part of the Third Aid Third Age Ireland initiative. And she said Nancy has become very adapted using social media, and she took to Facebook like a duck to water during lockdown. And when she's on Facebook, she goes on Facebook to offer prayers to all those in need. But then she discovered the joy of tuning into live masses over Christmas, and her granddaughter said she hasn't looked back since she's never going to give up on it and uh, she said they start every day with the question from Nancy well where will we go today <laughs> where online will we have mass so they pick a parish among the 32 counties and they log in to whatever long online masses are on on that day and she's averaging about three masses a day so she's quite a religious woman and uh, Louise her granddaughter said that Nancy can't believe all of the different parishes and all of the different ser- sermons and the different priests and she really is uh, enjoying it and so much so that news of her spiritual journey has already reached Rome and she's received an email from the Pontifical Irish College expressing their delight with her faith and inviting her to attend one of their virtual masses in which she'll be given a, a personal greeting when she tunes in if she tells them the day that she's going to tune in and uh, she's delighted with herself on that and she's hoping uh, one day 
that she might even get an online mass with the Pope. So well done to Nancy Stewart. What an amazing woman at the age of 107. 1850-333-103. We're going to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way. In the next hour, something that I'm hoping will lighten the load and give you all a laugh. It's a little piece that we've picked up from social media. One of those, you know, those contagious laughs that you can't help but laugh along with. I'll tell you more about that after 12. And Joe Heflin joins us, it being Tuesday. And today, Joe is offering advice to parents on how to help children cope with this pandemic. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Here's a little bit of a laugh for you. This was something that appeared on social media back end of last week and across the weekend. But I'm very aware that not everybody listening has access to social media. And even those that do have social media may have missed it. it is a, it's a gentleman by the name of Vincent MacDonald. But it was his son, Paul, who posted this up on his Twitter feed. And it just got massive reaction. It's one of those contagious laughs. And you can't help but when you're watching it, to laugh along with the man. And it was a simple enough scenario. It was that period between Christmas and New Year. And Paul decided that he would record just a little 20 second video. Um, He asked Vincent to do it because one of Paul's sons, David, lives in Australia and David is about to celebrate his 40th birthday. So Paul decided, wouldn't it be lovely if Dad you recorded a little 20 second piece just saying happy 40th birthday to your son in Australia and we could send it out and maybe other family members would put their messages on it on as well. So they set that setting up the scene. So anyway, Dad Vincent, you could see when you're looking at it on the video, I'd say it was his good jumper he put on. It was a nice wine coloured jumper and maybe he got it for Christmas and the hair was done and everything and he's sitting at home very obviously in his kitchen and Paul starts recording this just asking the dad to do a birthday message for David who's in Australia for his 40th birthday. But poor old Vincent just starts he keeps cracking up laughing as soon as he says the word hello and he just it ended up taking them seven minutes before Vincent could get control of the laughter enough to get the message recorded. And ever, by the way, he, he never actually posted up the final message. But this is just, it's about a minute and a half long. And this is poor Vincent just trying to get it together so that he can send this message to his son in Australia. Just listen to this. Hello. <coughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. <coughs> right. <Whew>. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Ha <laughs> <laughs> 
Hello, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that was as much as uh, Vince, as Paul posted up on online. It seemingly went on for seven minutes before Vincent could get it together just to say, you know, hello, David. Uh, hope you're well. Happy 40th birthday. We're all thinking of you from back home. Uh, that's all he wanted. But it was just at one stage. I mean, he used to take a hanky out of his pocket and there's tears coming out of his eyes. And I love the way, you know, when we... When you get into a situation like that where you're trying to be serious and you just get a fit of the giggles and you do that just trying to control yourself, it didn't help in any way. It also, I think, didn't help that the son Paul was cracking up laughing as well. But anyway, I hope that gave you a little bit of a laugh, uh, certainly. And I know when Paul told his, he got permission from his son uh, I got permission from his dad, Vincent, to put it up online and, you know, the father said, yeah, no problem. And then, you know, they were amazed by, I mean, the amount of people and it went viral, it went all, all over the world. And uh, Paul said that his dad was just delighted that he'd given so many people a little bit of a laugh over the last few days since it has gone uh, viral. So well done to the McDonald family. It certainly cheered me up when I saw it. And hopefully if you haven't heard it before, that it's cheered you up as well. OK, back to your calls and comments coming into the programme. Now, firstly, just an update, because this is something that came into us as soon as we came back after Christmas last week on the programme. We had somebody who needed to get a driver's licence over the age of 70 and of course if you're over the age of 70 you need to go to your GP to get a medical report and from the 31st of December there had been an exemption in place because of COVID that you didn't need the medical report but from the 1st of January 2021 you needed the report and people were saying what do we do? We're in a lockdown you know doctors, GP practices are already under pressure and some GP practices are actually saying no we don't want you coming in uh, to get this medical report that, that you needed so we got on to the Department of Transport just to get an update on this and I can tell you the very latest on this is there has now once again they've introduced a medical report exemption for those aged over 70. It has just been announced by Hildegard Nocton, who is the Minister of State at the Department of uh, Transport. And obviously it's in line with the surge in COVID-19 cases. And in order to ease the burden on medical services, there's now an extension to the exemption that allows for people over the age of 70 to apply for their driving licence without the need to provide a medical report. That exemption now is remaining in place until June of 2021. Okay, so it's in place from June until 2021. So well done. I think that is a real, real sensible mood, a move. Some of your thoughts coming into us. Patrick says there are, this is, a lot of people are pointing out how much of a lockdown are we really in? Bearing in mind that we now have the worst cases, rising cases of COVID in the world and we're in lockdown. But this lockdown feels, to some people, very different to say the lockdown that we went into back in March. Patrick said there are a number of sheds near where Patrick lives and he said very same thing happened during the first lockdown. Guys who normally go to work but they're now not working because of lockdown are suddenly moving into these shed spaces and doing work, kind of doing nixers I'm uh, assuming. Patrick is very worried, fearful that they'll bring COVID into the area. He's also concerned because many of these people are living outside of their five kilometre and he said this work certainly isn't essential. Well, I hope they don't get stopped by the Gardaí because if they get stopped by the Gardaí and they can't 
explain why they're outside their five kilometre limit they could find themselves uh, being uh, fined uh, for sure Eddie says we should not need a government to tell us what to do people went mad over Christmas and now people are looking to blame the government they need to they need to blame someone so easiest option let's blame the government everybody knew that we had a virus everybody knew that we were living in the middle of a global pandemic but people decided to party and socialise over Christmas and they were going to do it regardless of any restrictions being in place Nuala says I feel everything should be closed down we should be in a stricter lockdown my two sons work in construction and I'm afraid that they'll bring the virus home back into our house so many places are open garages are open can't understand it places that were closed during the first lockdown appear to be open this time round not happy with that says Nuala some of your whatsapps I put a lot of blame on the rural independent TDs says uh, Morris they were urging people to go out to pubs as if the virus was gone um, a very angry Morris who, he's, who says I have done everything that is, was asked of me and everything I was told to do since March and then you have people telling others to go out that it is okay. Patricia, the deal with the private hospitals will cost the taxpayers in the region of €115 million Euro a month. Would it not have been more sensible to have converted one hospital and make it an infectious disease facility instead? Hopefully the private hospitals will honour their agreement this time as they certainly were found lacking last time an agreement was signed. Okay, it's a very different agreement with the private hospitals this time. I think it's done on a case-by-case basis. The hospitals have agreed to take over non-COVID uh, cases. I don't know if you can, it did cost, it was 115 million a month uh, the last time because the HSE just completely took over the private hospitals. But many of the private hospitals, it wasn't that they didn't honour their agreement. There was no patients to put into these hospitals. Private hospitals were meant to pick up the flack from the covert work and do the non-covert patients but there was very few or little or no non-covert patients because people didn't go to the doctors. People were terrified back in March and the HSC were looking to Italy saying is that where we're going to be? It's sadly it's looking like we're, it's where we are now but back in March we didn't know what way it was going to play out but it's, certainly it's a different it's a very different arrangement this time with the HSE and the private hospitals. Hi Trish I travelled from Ennis to Clamel on Saturday, Sunday the reason for my journey, it was essential. I was bringing dinners down to my dad, who is now immobile because of COVID-19. I travelled back yesterday on both journeys up to Clonmel from Ennis on Sunday and then the journey back from Clonmel to Ennis yesterday. No checkpoint by the way, I also know, noticed there was lots of traffic. I really do not think people are adhering to the rules and regulations that are in uh, place. Hi, uh, Patricia. Yes, the government are to blame for the rising cases if they hadn't eased any of the restrictions, particularly on allowing people to socialise when they opened up hospitality and allowing families to meet up. We wouldn't be in the mess we're in now. To quote the comedians Laurel and Hardy, what a fine mess you've got us into. And that's from Joe in Dunmanway. Olive in Donnerwell says, also blame the government for the state the country is in. They're getting big, fat checks and they still can't, can't stand up and say everything should remain closed. Another thing, they've never touched the off-licence. Surely that is a huge joke. And Liz feels that we are an ignorant, disobedient lot 
That's what we Irish are. We cannot obey medical advice after all of this time, says Liz. Well, you can't say that about everybody, Liz, because many of us are abiding exactly by the rules and the regulations that are put in place, but they will always be the minority and unfortunately it does look like the minority is ruining it for the majority. And you know the lady who found the drone? Somebody is suggesting if they found a drone with a camera on it and of course all drones have a camera on them they would be handing it to the Gardaí to trace the owner because there has been talk that some drones were used to target where dogs were, where pets were in back gardens or to see what was in back gardens for organised thefts. You know like casing an area and I'm not in any way suggesting that the drone our listener found was was doing that but that's the listener's thinking on it when we mentioned that somebody had found a drone. Keith on email says can anybody explain why water has gone off three times in one week at various times in the Ballylicky area very very annoying and it keeps going off without warning. We got on to Irish water on Keith's behalf to say it's as a result of burst water mains. You've obviously had three burst water mains in the in the one area. Goodness me. But they are, as we speak, uh, repairing it. We've set new records for ICU numbers in hospitals. 158 people in ICU at 11am this morning. That is a new record. At the first wave, during the first wave, we had a peak in ICU that I remember talking about on this programme saying hopefully we would never see that again. And it was 155 and that was on the 10th and 11th of April. April and here we are on the 12th of January and we are at 158. We wish nothing but good thoughts and prayers to all those people who find themselves in ICU uh, today and to their families. And Martin in Mitchellstown Oh, this is one worth mentioning to say. You know the guy that reads the electricity meter and your electricity meter has to be read, is it two or three times a year? And then on the other times they're allowed to estimate your bill. Anyway, Martin says the guy that reads the meter, he missed him and there was a note put through uh, the door on the day that the meter reader came uh, for a number you could ring. You can also email it and you can text it as well. So anyway, that's what Martin did. He went out and wherever his meter is, was able to get the reading and he sent the read the reading through. Except when his bill arrived, he's with Electric Ireland, the bill was over €100. Euro. He got an estimated bill. He didn't... The, the meter reading he put through for some reason didn't get through. He said his bill is normally around 50 to 60 euro. What did Martin do? He rang up Electric Ireland uh, and they corrected it. But he said just to make people aware of it. And I can join in and pitch in with you on this one, Martin, because the very same thing happened to me. I missed the reach. I have a lovely meter reading man who calls you know as I say about three times a year I think I think he calls and my meter is outside so I shout over the fence what the meter reading is because he can't get in through the side uh, to read it anyway I missed him the day he called and I got that note through the door and I I didn't call I did it by text I sent off what my actual meter reading was and I've done that before and there's never been any problem with it lo and behold my bill arrived and I got an, es- an estimated bill Never thought to ring the company though because I kind of thought oh, should I probably use more electricity over Christmas and I'll have paid towards that for when the bill comes in for December, January. But yeah, it's but it certainly it happened to me as well, Martin and I have submitted that before and it's always been acknowledged. So I don't know what was going on before Christmas whether too many people did it or what or some glitch in the system. I don't know. I don't know what it is but the very same thing happened to me as well. 
and then some of your texts in. Uh, hi Patricia, just wondering, is there any scheme for parents who have to buy laptops for their children now that they're doing remote learning? I had to order one the week after Christmas. We haven't got it yet, which obviously is understandable with post and uh, delivery and they are all under pressure. And speaking about being under pressure, really the last thing I needed to have to do the week after Christmas was head out to buy a laptop for the children in order for them to access schooling. Any advice would be gratefully appreciated. Happy New Year to you and many happy returns uh, to you. I don't know of any scheme. I certainly haven't heard of any government scheme allowing for you to access the cost of laptops for remote learning. I know there have been charities that have done it. Vincent de Paul is one certainly that springs to mind. They have helped out some families. And I know there was also a tech company, Camara, I think they're called. But I don't know if they're doing it here in Cork. They certainly were doing it up around Galway, uh, where they were looking to companies who would have old laptops and then they were reconditioning them and they were giving them out uh, to families who were in, you know, vulnerable families or families who literally couldn't afford the laptop for their sons or daughters in in order to access education. But certainly I haven't heard of any scheme. But listen, if there is a scheme, there'll be a listener out there who'll know for sure. So does anybody know any scheme to help our parents in order to buy laptops or tablets for their children to access remote learning? 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The staff of Daily Industrial Supply Company, they're aiming to collectively run, walk, cycle, hike, and swim. 1,200 kilometres during the month of January. It's an effort to raise money for the wonderful Cork Simon community. You can donate through their Just Giving page. If you're involved in a community event, charity event that you would like us to advertise free of charge on our community diary, please get the information into us. You can send it to info at c103.ie. Cork today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota and does anybody want to offer advice to this listener who said, I went for a COVID test last Thursday. I was told I'd get the result in two to three days. I missed a call on Saturday from them, called back to get a message saying that they tried to contact me five times in two days. Now, I rang the number on the message if looking for results, got a lovely girl. She said that she would log a query to the results team and they would be in contact shortly. Still haven't heard anything. Uh, please don't call out my name. Uh, it's a disgrace. Thank, f- uh, thank it. I'm treating it as if I have it. What, who do, who, where do I turn now? OK, I would call back that number again and explain exactly what you explained to me in that in, in your text message to me now. Explain what's happened to you, how you rang back, how somebody said that they would log the query but you're still waiting and you are right treat it as if you have it the only thing is I know anyone that I know since Christmas and unfortunately I have now know a number of people who've tested positive for COVID-19 and before Christmas I could have hand and heart said I knew little or no one that were tested tested positive, positive everybody I knew they got their test results by a text message telling them that they had COVID-19 
generally speaking, people who get a phone call, it's usually somebody from contact tracing, but I could be completely wrong. But anyway, I would suggest ringing back the number on the message that you rang back looking for test results and explain to them what has happened. But you are right. Treat, self-isolate, absolutely treat it as if, as if you have it. And by doing that, you're protecting every, everybody else. And let us know, please, how you got on. But we'll give it out to see if anybody else's advice for that listener or if something similar has happened to anybody else. Um, is that the, has, has this listener any other option? It's the only thing I can think of is call back the number with, that, you got, that you got through originally. And then just some people on uh, travel. Uh, Anthony says is it true if you say you're going to visit a grave at a checkpoint beyond 5k that you will be allowed to do it Uh, yes Anthony you are allowed to travel outside your 5 kilometres if you're visiting a grave you can't use it as an excuse though you know you can't because if you get stopped by the Gardaí three days in a row and they say you're visiting a grave, they may query, are you really visiting a grave? So don't use this as an excuse. If you genuinely need to visit a loved one's grave and it's outside your five kilometre, it is on the list of reasons why you can travel outside your 5K. Uh, but somebody else says, I'm wondering, could you shed some light on a problem I have? I have a court order to see my kids every weekend. Does this still stand under level five? Or do I have to uh, stay at home? Now, I know the last time that we had either two kilometre or five kilometre, it was specifically said for people who were in um, blended families or uh, families that were co-parenting that absolutely you could travel outside your 2K or your 5K, whatever it was, in, in order to access children. I can't weirdly enough see it. I have the list of exemptions for the travel restrictions and it isn't on it for separated families, but it does clearly say for vital family reasons, such as providing care for children. So if you've got a court order to look after your children at the weekend, that's a vital family family reason. I'd bring the court order with you because I don't know how far, how far, how far outside your 5K you have to come in case you are stopped. It'll just make it easier uh, for you. Hi, Patricia. Well done to uh, Mallow staff getting their vaccine today yeah and a lot of them and it was yesterday as well a lot of them have put up uh, photographs on social media because they're thrilled that they have received their uh, vaccine uh, Sandy says relicenses and truck drivers is there any derogation for the CPC courses for truck drivers surely they cannot go ahead under lockdown uh, one is required every year I haven't seen anything on CPC I'll get it checked for people who are waiting but I haven't seen anything on CPC uh, courses let's see if we can find out for you and hi Patricia just wondering where was that drone found because I lost one t- lost one about two months ago I lost it in a field around Naka Villa in, in a Shannon it was a, a drone with a grow po- grow, GoPro attached uh, to it no the one that's been found over Christmas was in Mallow. So I don't think the one from Inishannon, from Nakavilla in Inishannon would have, would have reached. It was in Mallow town. It landed on, in, 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 an, urban, in an urban area of Mallow. It landed on somebody's uh, shed roof. So no, I don't think it, it is yours. But there's a shout out. If anybody found a drone with a GoPro around the Nakavilla in Inishannon area about two months ago, we have the owner's number here. 1850 333 Lines open. Court today on C1 with McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips and adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Just to the, and I'm assuming it's a lady, but it could be a man, but I'm assuming by the text it's a lady who contacted us because she missed a call from waiting on a test result from the from a COVID test and then she missed a call and when she ran back she said somebody would ring her back and she's still waiting and she's treating it as if uh, as if she has it. And I was saying, I found it strange that she didn't get a text message to say whether you were positive or negative because that's the way the HSE has been handling it. And I was wondering, was, it, was she getting a phone call because she was in close contact? But Pat has sent me um, a text that Pat has received because he's been identified as a close contact. So yes, for close contacts, you get a text message telling you uh, what uh, to do. So the only people who could have been calling would be somebody calling from contact tracing to get your list of close contacts. But that's only if you had a positive case. But John Paul has made an interesting point uh, to the, for the listener. If you, if you, if who's waiting on the test results if you ring your doctor because your doctor will have been informed as well if you've tested positive I don't know if they get the results if you test negative but they certainly are contacted if you've tested positive so if you are having problems getting through to the HSE ring your doctor and see if your doctor has heard and as I say let us know how you get on now Joe Heffernan uh, joins me good afternoon to you Joe good afternoon Patricia and we want to offer advice to uh, parents who are at home with their children and trying to help children to cope with the whole pandemic and trying to explain what a pandemic is uh, to people but we've got the added problem now that children are home from school homeschooling is certainly here for a month some say it may even be uh, extended it's all a very difficult time isn't it for parents and for children it is indeed and what we need to remember is that the children um, uh, sort of um, copy for want of a better word the um, 
the response of the parents to the present situation. So it's important to kind of uh, keep the head and um, uh, that if you are <laughs> frustrated, go outside and kick a tree or something, but not to be having um, meltdowns um, with the children um, uh, uh, witnessing that. Because, um, uh, you know, if that's the... That's the behavior that they will model. So try to stay pretty calm as much as you can. Now, if you happen to have a bad day, maybe share that. Just say it to the child, you know what? I'm not having a wonderful day. Um, uh, I'm missing a few uh, things I used to do, and the child will hopefully... um, respond uh, with uh, with their own feelings about that they are missing things as well, including, uh, indeed, missing school. And so to discuss then what's happening pretty honestly, but simply with the children. But I would suggest to, um, as much as possible, keep them from, you know, the, uh, the present... Um, uh, situation with hospitals i mean that is stressful for all of us very very stressful um when we're hearing about um no icu beds um etc um uh, i think i saw this morning in cuh in the mercy and um that kind of thing is not good for the children. Children don't need to know about that. They like, don't I, need to know now. You couldn't put it better. Yeah, and I, I know myself, I'm a bit of a, a news junkie at the best of times. Mm. Um, and obviously the nature of the work that I'm doing, I've, I've got to try and keep as updated as yeah. I can. So I'm a bit obsessed with news programmes and current yeah. affairs programmes, uh, etc. Now I'm lucky I'm in a position that I don't have young uh, children in the house. But I know from friends of mine who have young children and the news overload and they've now got to the stage yeah. where the the six o'clock or the nine o'clock news is never on if any of the children are in the room. Yes, uh, it can always be um, recorded and uh, watched later if you need to, um, when the small kids especially um, are uh, hopefully gone to bed. Yeah, um, those kind of things are, you know, they won't do any good for the children and they could upset them. And you see, the one thing that one needs to sort of hope the children are coping with would be fear. Um, fear that uh, that their mum or dad or siblings uh, would uh, would get this um, awful old uh, thing. Um, they might be having difficulty, you know, with their sleeping. Uh, they might have difficulties with their appetite. They might be showing um, uh, irritability or anger uh, in ways that you might be surprised that that you didn't see before. Um, so that, like, they they might have tummy aches or, or whatever as well. Um, because no need for us adults to <laughs> to point it out, but it is a very stressful time for all of us. Yeah, and just to try and explain to them as best you can in language that they understand. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it has got to do with, the, you know, how age appropriate it is. But the, the added problem with parents who are now working from home and trying to be mom and dad and 
moon tour the, to, to the children with the homeschooling. You've got you've got some good words of advice around around that, and and a lot of this is to do with, you know, you're not superwoman, you're not Superman. Don't put yourself under so much pressure that you have to do everything all of the time. Yeah, and I'm glad you said superwoman and superman because um, I would be urging the dads to get involved. Um, I think it can happen that the the woman of the household. Um, uh, uh, tries to or, or uh, feels obliged to um, to do all of this, and and that's not right. And that uh, that dad would row in as well. I'm sure most of them do. I heard that during the first school lockdown, the amount of women that I saw having a bit of a rant be it on social media yeah. or privately saying himself took off into the back bedroom and set up an office <laughs> where I was expected to be in the kitchen with you know doing my work and trying to do the homeschooling at the same time and that's just not fair and having the dinner on the yeah, table yeah absolutely and the washing and the ironing yeah, exactly, and, and yeah, scrubbing the yeah, kitchen floor yeah, but like yeah. that's not fair It's everyone has to row in together absolutely without question or doubt and then when it comes to the homeschooling um, do you know, uh, for example, no, I, I have to admit, um, uh, I don't like admitting it, but um, I, I wouldn't be very proficient um, as Gaelic. So um, uh, I, 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 I might reverse that, you know, and I might ask the child to teach me some Irish. Um, uh, it's amazing how much we learn when we're expected to teach something. I remember now I would be giving a course in this, that, or the other thing. And my God, I'd have to bone up big time because I couldn't be standing in front of a group and, <laughs> <laughs> and not being on top of my subject as it were. So that if the child is teaching you a bit of Irish, well, the child is learning an awful lot of Irish. And it can be fun. Because, um, to use your own word there, if the child is being the moon tour, that can be a good old game. That can be good fun. But, um, so, to be realistic, um, maybe stick to English and maths. I, d- I don't know. When it would come to maths now, would be, I wouldn't be wanting to go beyond six class, like, in fact, maybe four class. But anyway, um, to maybe stick to English and maths, because as we know with all the schools' um, uh, curricula, they, they would be saying um, the core subjects are English, Irish, maths, and w- whatever. But um, So maybe stick to that. And um, uh, I have a favourite old saying about motivation and all that, and it's if the why is strong, the how will be easier. If a person understands why they should or why they are doing a thing, well then the how the doing of it becomes easier because there's a logic to it um, and there's a reward in it. Um, if I do this, uh, such will be uh, the reward, as it were. Hmm. So if the why is strong enough. So if the child then would be saying, well, why am I at home? And why am I not with my friends at school? And why are you doing uh, the, the, the teaching? Um, well, then, to you know, in a, in a nice... Um, uh, avoiding overwhelming with information, but to kind of say just honestly that there's a lot of this flu out there, um, and that it's um, it's a bad old thing, and um, uh, that it's better that people don't uh, gather together in big numbers like in school, 
at the moment and that's why we're doing this. But the and other- I think as well, I think from some of, certainly some of the parents who have been contacting us, I mean I know it's only day two of the of this round of homeschooling or remote learning rather than homeschooling. Uh, the, the schools I think are better prepared for this time. I've, like I heard yesterday there was a number of Zoom classes went yeah. on for those lucky enough to have good uh, broadband and I've yeah. just seen uh, somebody says, hi Patricia, I'm an SNA in a community school. I work with two uh, students and just to let listeners know things are going brilliantly we're following a full timetable students are engaging and parents have been very cooperative and it's signed a happy SNA uh, so like it, certainly some schools are really bringing their A game and I think learnt a lot from the first lockdown not leaving it all onto the parents because I think that's what was stressing out the parents Yeah and, and uh, even as well as that if the broadband isn't brilliant um, to use the online um, uh, resources that are there like um, uh, I, I I don't know the what, what one would Google now, what one would um, would would do would would type into the search, but I'm quite certain that there will be many um, uh, very good online uh, uh, resources there. So to use that too, and this we, and on the TV, don't isn't haven't absolutely the home hub or something it's called. That's uh, meant to be brilliant for I know for younger children, primary school children, but that's meant to be really good as well. You, exactly, like use all of those resources yes. that are there. Absolutely, and um, and and then uh, uh, I suppose it's very very important to establish a routine, like to have a schedule, to have a structure, like in agreement with the child. Um, no matter how young, to kind of say, okay, now, where will we do our lessons? Um, and then the child might suggest it mightn't be what you prefer, but, you know, maybe go along with it. Um, when will we do these bits now? Um, we'll, we'll make out our timetable just like school. Okay, so we'll do maths at 11 a.m. until uh, whatever, 12 um, and we will do um, our English uh, in the afternoon, and then you can teach me um, some Irish um, at, 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 at half past four. But as well as that, we're going to have playtime just the same as we have in school, and um, we'll have some fun. And we might do a bit of this, that, or the other thing. What would you like to do for, um, you know, for, for a fun time? Because... Um, it doesn't have to be all about school time. There can be fun time too. And um, I would say then that when the child um, uh, is, uh, you know, having a success, no matter how small, to praise that success big time, you know, that is fantastic. That's wonderful. Yeah. And you're really after teaching me a lot there now. And um, I, I like that a lot. Okay, and diet and exercise, you say, extremely oh, sure. important. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe we're all gone a little bit, um, uh, you know, off with our diet. I know that I am. Um, whenever, whenever a meal is mentioned to me at the moment, the first word I answer with is small. <laughs> I don't know what it's all about, but I just don't have a great appetite. Okay. Maybe, maybe that's fairly general. Exercise is very important, and it can be scheduled in as time out and having fun. You know, it doesn't have to be, let's do exercise. It can be, let's have a game, let's do a little bit of fun. And um, 
whether it's kicking a ball or going for a walk or having a look at the the nature class that can be in a tree. Yeah, and we're like we're coming into springtime and yeah. things are starting to grow and you could yeah, a nature walk and that could be factored in as part of schooling. Absolutely, without doubt. And maybe make a couple of little collections of leaves that are starting to uh to bud and things like that. And uh to just make the world as interesting as possible at the moment in a safe way and uh and we will, we will get through this. We most certainly will get through it. And um, maybe we'll appreciate um, our little bits of freedom that we took for granted so much more when this is all over. Yeah, but I think for, for the children routine, a Monday to Friday routine, yeah. then you can have yeah. your weekend because what happens is, and, and I know certainly during the last uh, lockdown, every day seems to morph into the next day. It was one of the reasons that I started on the programme every morning saying the day of the week. We were actually <laughs> getting calls from listeners saying, what day is it today? Because every day just seems to morph into the next. Couldn't you, you agree know. more. Um, yeah. So, so I, I always make a point of saying, you know, a happy Tuesday morning to you. Yeah. So for children, it's important that you keep the routine you know, getting up at reasonably the same time, yeah. going to bed at the same time, and then yeah. on the weekends, have the free time at the weekends. Yeah. In, in yeah. other words, keep things as normal as we possibly can. OK. All right. Listen, yeah. you stay safe and mind yourself and we'll talk again next week. Absolutely. OK. God bless. Yeah. That is uh, Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Boerbwy. His number is 0297661 On posting, Mary in Mallow says, I received post today that was posted on the 14th of December 2020. It arrived today. The lady who lives across the road who posted the card said... She could have dropped it in my letterbox if she'd known it was going to take so uh, long. Listen, I'm poster already saying that people can expect to be receiving Christmas cards and presents from friends and family right throughout the month of January because this is not just an on-post uh, issue. There has been delays in delivery companies worldwide and they're now working at clearing the COVID-19 related backlog. There's also an issue it seems with flights. There is not enough, uh, there's only limited space available on international flights for letters and parcels so there's a whole host of reasons why throughout the month of January we're going to be reminded of Christmas at 2020 if it's still receiving Christmas cards at the end of January. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks Thanks to John Paul uh, for taking your calls today and thank you to everybody who contributed to the programme. Uh, we are back with you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Enjoy your Tuesday. Look after yourself and more importantly, stay safe. Court today on C103 with McCroom Motors. Leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.